The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. I'm feeling hopeless, like life isn't worth living, like the world's a mess and there's nothing left for a fella like me. What did we just watch? <laughs> well, Kevin, we just watched Next Stop Nowhere, an episode of Quincy Emmy about punk rock music. This was the 
eighth episode of season eight, aired on December 1st, 1982, and has been a quietly infamous ever since. <laughs> I think the music in the episode just completely reshaped my entire worldview. Because music is like a drug. It can be medicine or, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you summed this up really well while we were watching when you said, this makes me embarrassed to be a middle-aged man. <laughs> Should you explain? Uh, so the premise can, of the show. Can, can a genre of music be a murder weapon? This episode of Quincy dares to ask the tough, the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the premise is that punk rock is so awful that it rots kids' minds, makes them feel like nothing matters, so they, so they kill people. I don't know why I was expecting a little bit more nuance, but I thought it was going to be maybe one of those things where they, they kind of take their cheap shots at punk music, but then, like, pull back and are like, well, some of the punks are good kids, and, like, I, we, you know, it's good to be a little bit anti-corporate and anti-authoritarian, so but, you, you were expecting something like Balzac, like a comedy of manners, an x-ray of society with a lot of nuance yeah. and thoughtfulness. I don't know what I was thinking going into Quincy Emmy. I, I, just was like, I just was expecting them to be a little bit like, I mean, we watched, we reviewed that one episode of Dragnet, right? And like, there was that kid who was like kind of a hippie and he was like using all this like slang and he was like, oh yeah, groovy man. I totally like saw the whole crime, like whatever. But you're not supposed to, like, think, oh, that kid's a fucking murderer. In fact, he's a witness for the state, you know? So, like, they're making fun of that kid, but they're also like, we don't want him to get murdered. In this, they're like, fuck the punks. The episode is, like, punk-like in its in intense hatred of punks. It's telling all the punks to go to fucking hell. <laughs> it's crazy. Like the, like, the virulence of its hatred is so palpable and almost uncomfortable. Yeah, there's like a, a, a middle-class white woman who has a teenage daughter who we're supposed to believe was a perfect angel. Everything a middle-class white woman would want from her daughter. <laughs> Somehow, one day, she happened to hear on the radio, I guess, a couple of notes of punk rock, and suddenly she's a monster. Yeah. That's how it works, guys. And I, I guess I'm just saying Dragnet hated hippies. You could tell. Hated him. But if Dragnet could kind of have a, a likable hippie who they want to shake hands with and protect from kidnappers, you know, it says something that that is more nuanced than Quincy Emmy when it comes to punks. I was shocked, folks. I was shocked. I Neither of us would consider ourselves punks or people who are into punk music or anything like that. Speak for yourself. But I, <laughs> Kevin has a mohawk. But I felt defensive for these people who I don't even belong to this subculture because I was like, what what have what have they really done? Like, what, I don't <laughs> leave them alone. <laughs> I don't like punk music. I don't enjoy it. But it's okay for there to be music out there that I don't like that other people take pleasure in. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> this this episode basically posits like if you don't like Benny Goodman, you don't have a fucking soul. <laughs> That's insane! <laughs> Kevin was looking up who wrote this to figure out, like, what was this guy's... Did he get, How did this happen? Did he, like, did, did a punk kid steal his girlfriend or something? What happened? 
Jeez, we were trying to autopsy, like, how this fucking episode came to be. I wish there was one of those, like, tell-all, like, uh, you know, oral histories of the Quincy Emmy punk rock episode. <laughs> what happened? <sighs> so this girl, she's, she's, she's infected with love for punk music. She's going out with her friends. Her boyfriend gets killed while moshing. This opening sequence goes on for approximately five days. <laughs> Or so it feels to the audience. You you were offended because uh, this young lady comes to this club to see her boyfriend. And by it's club, all super well lit, by the way. It's like bright lights everywhere. It's very well lit, and there's like maybe five people on stage and maybe seven people in the audience. It's a very small club. I, I mean, I felt we were more in danger of some sort of mosh pit situation when we went to fucking Future Islands. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's like, oh, you're getting, you're getting mobbed. Just step slightly to the left. You're, you're out of the fucking crowd. So as soon as his girlfriend arrives, instead of being happy to see her, asking her about her day or whatever, he goes off and says, I'm going to go be in this little slam dancing thing. Well, you know, he's a punk and, and liking a certain type of music that old people don't understand makes you a total jerk. And then you get stabbed to death. By punk. <laughs> uh, so Quincy, uh, our, our good buddy, Jack Klugman, he does uh, an autopsy. And as he's preparing his report, his uh, girlfriend comes in and says, we know, you know, Quince. She calls him Quince, which I don't like. You don't call me green. <laughs> Only when I'm trying to emphasize how uh, inexperienced you are. <laughs> she says, Quince, obviously, it was the music that killed him. Obviously. And he's, he says, what? You're crazy. That's insane. And she says, no, wait a minute. The music is really bad. And she says, he says, oh, wow, I didn't even think of it that way. I'm shocked. <laughs> and she says, you have to see it with your own eyes. So then they go to this punk club, and they're at this punk club for less than a minute. And he, Quincy's like, I've seen enough. And they leave, and then Quincy uh, prepares an autopsy report where he says a contributing cause of this young man's death. And again, he was stabbed to death with an ice pick. The contributing cause was punk music. <laughs> and his boss says... Rightfully, the only hero in this episode. This is Quince. What the fuck? <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? I want your scalpel on my desk now! <laughs> and Quincy says, hey, if you think I overreacted, I'll take it out. But then his crusading Tipper Gore-esque girlfriend. I was thinking Tipper Gore the whole time. Shades of Tipper fucking Gore. Which is like, fuck off, lady. She's like, no, he can't take it out. Because guess what? Somehow, the press got wind of it. Obviously, she leaked she it. She leaked it because she wanted to create a moral panic. I mean, this is set in what, like L.A. or something? Yeah. There's no greater problems in L.A. in the fucking 80s than like... Punk rock. Punk rock music? That's the big problem? And so there's a story in the newspaper about it, and then she says, Quince. Guess what, Quince? Some, uh... I'm gonna call you Greens. <laughs> some shitty little local TV show is going to do an episode about punk rock, and they want you and I to come on and condemn it. And, and Quincy is like... Okay. No, he hesitates at first because he's a local show in the middle of the day in a big city. <laughs> 
obviously 20 million people will be watching it. <laughs> 20 million moms strong. So they go on this show and the the mother of the the girl whose boyfriend was killed appears on the show. And she's gives, a monster, by the way. She's a monster. She's One, a fucking monster. This girl lost her boyfriend, and she earlier says, eh, you're better off without yeah, him. She's like, think, uh, I'm sorry you're sad, but think about the bright side. I hated your boyfriend, so this makes me happy. Yeah. It's like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> you wonder why your kid's not alienated because she's into punk. She's alienated because you're a fucking asshole. And then she goes on this TV show, and she has a monologue in front of 20 million people. About how awful her daughter is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to reconnect with your troubled teen lady. Go and just shit talk her in front of everyone to make it out so that you're the real victim. You know, you're blasting again, she your lost teenager. Her, she lost her boyfriend. She lost her boyfriend. She's crying about it. Maybe, maybe an adult is thinking, well, this is upsetting, but she'll be over it eventually. But you don't say that the day after the, when the kid's body isn't even cold yet. And, and you... Maybe that's a time where you could try to show empathy and connect with your daughter and show that you care about her and that you don't care if she wears dumb makeup that you don't like, you know, and that then that will help you reconnect instead of just coming at it with this, like, you're way better than him anyway, and he was the scum of the earth because, you know, I mean, Jesus. Because he liked the wrong type of music, yeah, apparently. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's okay if your kid likes music you don't like. It's okay if your kid dresses in a way you wouldn't dress. That's fine. As long as they're like, it's like, 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 like addressing problem behavior. If she's like, some of the, you know, she's like, oh, Jesus Christ, the psycho, the alleged psychologist in this episode is like conflating certain things that are clearly stylistic choices with things that are more substantively problematic, like self harm or drug abuse, you know. But like wearing a lot of eyeliner. I mean, at the end of the day. Worst thing that can happen is you look back and you're like, wow, I wore a shit ton of eyeliner back then. I look kind of silly or whatever. I mean, like, worst case scenario, it's a stylistic thing. Well, she does have a point because when you think about it, no one who is a middle class white person abuses drugs. Yeah, you're right. Jesus. I, I just, I was waiting for the mom to get yelled at and that never happened. And now I want to write a punk rock song about it. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you know who, so the girl in this, the teenage girl who's so troubled, do you know who that is? Abby Garvin. No, that's the character's name. Lenora Harden? Uh, that, yeah, that was uh, that was Jan from The Office. That, that was Jan from The Office? Yeah. Who, like, is the boss and then dates Michael Scott. Oh. That was Jan from The Office. Wow. <laughs> she had a troubled childhood. That's why she ended up with Michael for a while. <laughs> <laughs> she's just, she's work, working at Dunder Mifflin to uh, suppress her inner punk. <laughs> oh man, I yeah this this one this one was so crazy. But I'm gonna say why why, why would you, it wasn't boring. Why would you dramatize a talk show? That 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 means you're just giving up all pretense of having an, an entertaining narrative programming. If you want to do an issue of the week show. Maybe come up with a compelling story about an issue. Don't just dramatize. Well, here's what people might t talk about this issue if they appeared on a talk I show. I feel like I feel like the the screenwriters came into it and they were very much like, you know, you know, who we need to fucking take down the fucking punks. And then they got like halfway through writing it and were like, uh, and then they go on a talk show. I don't know. 
Like, the only really bad thing you see the punks doing is mosh pit dancing that leads to some injuries. Although, in the case of the the death, somebody went out and killed him. It wasn't really the mosh pitting that did it. That just gave a cover. So, like, and then they have rude lyrics that don't, that criticize society. We don't want that, kids. Don't want you to start waking up and criticizing your corporate overlords. I mean, the... the so at one point in the TV show dramatization, uh, someone says to Quince. Oh, jeez. Uh, wait. <laughs> I wince every time you say that. Quince. Uh, you know, uh, the world's a bad place. And what does Quincy do? How does he respond? Well, fuck you! <laughs> he offers an ode to uh, hippies and baby boomers. He offers an ode. That's how you know this, this is trash. That's how you know this is trash. If you're going to say... Lock me in the room with a bunch of hippies or lock me in a room with a bunch of punks. You're going to pick the fucking punks. I'm sorry. <laughs> At least I would. So, it, you know, this, this Jack Klugman's getting out there and talking about, you know who made a difference? The hippies, the baby boomers. They're not known as the me generation that pulled up the ladder behind them. I What generation is he even in? Because he's like older in this episode which was in the 80s so I, I i don't even know where his allegiance is supposed to be here but that was the most boomer moment i've ever heard on tv jack klugman 60 years old in 1982 oh my god it's for the silent generation <laughs> so maybe he should take after his generation's name no i don't know i actually don't know what generation would that make him see now generational science basically means nothing for the most part because there's such big cohorts and you know, the, the, the things get conflated, you know, there's like, so, I mean, like a young baby boomer is very different from someone who's born immediately after World War II, but we kind of mash them all together at this point, and it just means totally nothing. Totally nothing. Yeah, just different fads come into play. When you're older, you're going to find new things slightly alienating and grating. I know I've I've fucking had that happen. I've listened to music where I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, well, I'm just being an old person. And if people want, people like this, that's not harming me in any way. I can just listen to my fucking music. We're, we're all fine here. I mean, it, it. we're not all trapped in a car where one person is control of the, you know, the rate. Like you can just link into your phone and play your own shit. Who cares? If you want to listen to Al Jolson, no one's stopping you. I'm stopping you. I'm stopping you right here, <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, your your music's classy. I like your musical taste. How do you define my musical taste? Eclectic. It's definitely eclectic. I think it's it's a little dry for me, you know, because you're you're more about the lyrics than the beat. Um, but I would say. Just very, very classy, very classic. You know, lots of Louis Armstrong, lots of Frank Sinatra, lots of Bing Crosby, lots of kind of classic swingy stuff. You know, getting more modern, we can do some Bruce Springsteen, we can do some uh, Paul Simon. So it's just a good... Of course, there's a great, great composers like your Cole Porters. Yeah, Cole Porter. Ira Gershwin. Yeah, so you got a lot of Larry Hart kind of old timey stuff, but you never go around being like, you know, oh my god! Once they started playing guitars on the stage, that's when everything went downhill. Like you, you, you know, you just you can appreciate you can appreciate that your tastes may differ from others. 
And, and that's how it goes. I, I feel the same way. I, for some reason, grew up listening to a lot of best of the 80s CDs. So I've been brain poisoned by like synth and like, you know, lots of, you know, heavy beats. But I can still, enjoy, like, you could just, I, I can just enjoy shit, you know? I've, I've become more open minded as I've gotten older to different genres like country. So I, I feel like I've. You were grown. just talking today about how much you enjoyed Luke Bryan. Oh, fuck you. That's not true. That's not <laughs> true. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was talking recently about how I enjoyed Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson. And Luke Bryan. Okay, some of his songs are kind of... they. I can listen to them when I'm writing. That's all I'll say. <laughs> this, he's on some of the playlists, but, you know, we're not going to go into which ones or what songs, but n- no comment. That's all I'll say. <laughs> You can direct all my questions, all questions to my uh, press secretary. Which I guess would be me. Yeah. So, so you're just going to be. I'll tell everybody be, everything. You're going to be standing in the mirror like, what? Tell me what, what songs are they? I'll tell the whole world all your secrets. No. If I'm your press secretary. No. People would be shocked. What, what happened I could to attorney client privilege? You didn't say I'm your lawyer. You said I'm your press secretary. Well, you're also my lawyer. You're a you're jack of all trades. You're a greens of all trades. <laughs> if if you're greens, am I canes? <laughs> well, technically, your name is Greenly too, so you could be greens. Or green says. <laughs> See, cane doesn't work because it's already one syllable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's either greens. <laughs> Ants. <laughs> Perhaps Greece. <laughs> you just start suddenly insisting that all your friends call you that. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know what, uh, yeah, can you imagine if, if a show today, like, made a whole episode being like, Billie Eilish is a fucking threat to society. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't like her soft music. The, the end of the episode, it's uh, the 60-year-old Quincy and his lady friend of a similar age talking about how the only real good music is the swing music of the past. It's like this Tipper Gore vibe. And it just, the whole episode is like the equivalent of like a foaming at the mouth Tipper Gore screaming about, you know, how this is affecting the children. And like, I don't know. It just seemed like the reaction of all the alleged adults in this episode was so much worse than, I mean, they could have been at a standard rock concert and someone gets stabbed. That can happen. Nothing about this in particular screamed like, oh, this had to be a punk murder. That, they're the only ones who could have done it. <laughs> this episode. I will say I appreciate how balls to the wall it was. It wasn't holding back. It wasn't doing one of those passive aggressive things like, well, there's some good punks, but I mean, the real subculture is so negative. It was like, no, all the punks can go fucking die. In the street. I don't care. Because they have a They neg- deserve it. They have a negative view about society, and that's not healthy. Yeah. It's not healthy to have a negative view of society. So if you express one, then you can go fuck yourself. I mean, what's more negative than that? The the, the, the people... You you loved... There was a sequence during the, the talk show sequence. Classic sequence. Where an old man... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. He comes to the microphone and he addresses his comments to the punk rock singer. And he says, uh, if you were my son, 
I turn you over my knee, give you a big spanking. I'd give you such a fucking spanking. <laughs> and then the singer says, well, if you were my father, I'd do the same. Lots of subtext we could unpack. It was the when kids have a rebellious, moody, angsty argument. At least you could say, "Well, they're kids. They're 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 growing up, and this is the tack they're taking now." But you know, maybe maybe that'll become more nuanced over time. But when it's adults basically being like, nyeh, 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 "I don't like the cut of your jib," then it's like. They just seem so much worse to me than the pugs. Because they're like, you just look like losers. They're not using any substantive. For all we know, some of these kids in the audience who are punks could have been fucking Rhodes Scholars. We don't know. We don't know what's in their yeah, lives. Another woman in the audience stands up and says, oh, why Why didn't you ladies attracted to these punks? Because I don't personally find them attractive. It's like, it's not all about who you want to fuck, Janet. I, I don't Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. For, for an episode that was so anti-punk, they didn't give any of the anti-punk agents any decent points. So that's interesting. So you're saying that if mm. I paid you a million dollars and says, Anya, yeah. write me an anti-punk episode, you'd do it better. I, you'd tear those, those punks uh, a new one. Well, I think usually showing does a lot more than telling so so you wouldn't have a talk show sequence i wouldn't have a talk show sequence if i if you were if the anti-punk agenda was trying to pay me off to be a corporate shill for them i think what i would do is instead of like being like it's a punk episode it's a punk episode i would more of do like subliminal messaging and kind of like have the bad guys be doing really horrible stuff and be punks so that people associate the punks when they're watching this Oh, remember that that guy's punk. Oh, I remember that punk guy. He like you know he uh, kicked a guy's head off. You know, in that one episode of kicked Quincy, a guy's head off. I don't know. <laughs> Has that ever happened? I'm just, I'm just thinking. So about a man it. literally kicks another man's head. That's what the punks off. do. They'll associate, <laughs> and and then and then yeah, maybe I would have like one of the recurring villains be a punk and just have him be a real slime ball and stuff. That's what I. So would you'd do. have a whole arc. Oh, I'd have all the the big bad. <laughs> Quincy would go up against a master. His his Moriarty, his Lex Luthor. Punk. Would be like Sid Vicious. <laughs> That's your big plan. <laughs> the big confrontation. <laughs> Quince versus Sid. They have to have a, <laughs> I know, I, a battle of the bands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They would, yeah, that's what I would do. Because I think then it's like, 
you can be like, well, it's just the the villain happens to be punk. You know, I don't, I'm not saying anything about the genre really. I mean, like, it definitely has a lot of negativity, but, uh, you know, and that you could kind of be, this is just trying way too hard. This, I almost wonder if it was some sort of psyop that the punks got their writer in there. And they were like, you know what? We're so sick of being criticized. We need to make these these fucking anti-punks look as silly as as they could possibly look. So let's write this episode because it really kind of it's it, it it backfires so spectacularly on the anti-punk faction that they're going to be humiliated and embarrassed for years. It's going to have the effect on the punks what the uh, the war of 1812 had on the Federalist Party. It's just going to completely implode. They're going to be scattered to the winds. Maybe they'll be able to regroup in a generation or so, but for now, they're fucking done. They're going to have to get a new name for themselves. They're going to be that embarrassed. What an unexpected historical reference. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a roll there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the long con. That's yeah. what I think happened here. Crisscross. <laughs> this, this, like, this screenwriter may have been the greatest punk in history and we'll never know. And that's the real tragedy to this whole thing. I believe he's still alive. You can reach out to him. <laughs> we reach out, he picks up the phone and we hear, like, the dead Kennedys blasting in the background. <laughs> And then we'll just know, and I'll hang up the phone, and I'll turn to you, and there'll be like a little tear going down my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like punk music? Always. <laughs> if you have a, a, a television program where the lead is 60 years old, it's never a good idea to do an episode attacking youth culture. It's not going to look good. It's not going to age well. No. Nope. Yeah, that's that's the that's the lesson. Although I will say this was this was watchable to me in the sense that it's fascinatingly no holds barred. There's such passion behind it. It's like watching people do a really bad stand-up routine, like you can't look away, you're just watching them humiliate themselves, and it's like kind of compelling. I, I think uh, other than the punk stuff, I was most fascinated by Quincy doing detective work, which would seem to be outside his purview. Like at one point that they find uh, a fingerprint on a murder weapon and he says, oh, what you should do is you should fingerprint everybody who goes into that punk club. And they say, Quince, <laughs> we can't do that. that, that that's overreaching of the power of the police. It'd be thrown out of court. It'd be laughed out of court. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I have an idea that that business owner might be scared of having his business shut down. So why don't we threaten that we're shut down his business unless he fingerprints everyone? And then that's okay. Quincy's a fucking fascist. So it's not okay to have the police do it directly, but it's okay to have the police threaten someone else to make them do it. But you know what's really bad? I mean, not any of that, but it's singing a song about how authority is bad that's those are the real villains let's not forget not people misusing their public positions in law enforcement <laughs> and these kids are supposed to be so disrespectful to the authority can you imagine all of them cheerfully uh acquiescing to giving their fingerprints and writing down their names for yeah. the internet club yeah and especially such a shit club with such small crowds and bright lights all over the place 
Jesus. Yeah, that was bizarre. And he was like, like really, like doesn't he have other dead bodies to examine at this point? Seems like he's putting an awful lot of time on this. It doesn't even, he's also giving the punk rockers, this punk rock band is just playing in this shithole to almost no crowds. He gets them on a t television talk show, which has 20 million viewers. <laughs> he's introducing them to a whole new audience. It would have been great at the end uh, if if uh, if the if the end scene had been Quince Quince getting called into his uh, his boss's office and the boss being like, hey, "Listen, I, I you, you know you really politicized this issue, and I appreciate that you had good intentions, but you just made the office look pretty stupid, and like we were coming in on a, a, a issue that doesn't matter." And Quince being like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I get it. I'm I'm sorry. We, we're not going to talk about punk rock anymore." And the guy's like, "Good." And then he's like, and shut the door on your way out. And Quince closes it. And then the uh, the boss like turns on his record player, and it's it's the it's the uh, next stop nowhere song that everyone <laughs> is listening to the whole time. Shouldn't it be a firing offense? Oh, I would fire everyone involved with the making of this episode. No, I mean for Quince. <laughs> An autopsy report is a very serious document. And in this autopsy report, he's saying, oh, you know, it was punk rock that killed also, him. Also, the kid that died was a person. And doesn't it feel like it really cheapens this, like, runaway's death? Where it's like, you know what really killed him? It was punk rock that killed the punk beast. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, if that's, like, his family in Ohio is waking up to the news that he's dead in L.A. And, like, <laughs> what killed our son, punk rock? <laughs> Like, can you imagine? I'm so sorry, ma'am, but your son is dead due to a dubstepping accident. <laughs> Quincy. Qu I just, one thing that never fails to, on some level, charm me, because probably I see myself, because I'm an obnoxious cuss uh, in, in this character, is just Klugman giving these big erratic speeches that sound like surprisingly good in the moment. Then when you think about them for a second, they completely fall apart. <laughs> and he's like, why wouldn't people, why would people want to, you know, he's blast, they're blasting Benny Goodman or some swing music. Cause they're a billion years old at this, at this adult club. And he's like, why would anyone want to listen to music that makes you hate when you could listen to music that makes you love. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that, but it was just a really great moment that they ended on. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, take this record off the needle? Or I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just, I don't understand Take this it. record off the needle? <laughs> I don't know that. I don't. I'm not from your world. She doesn't know about vinyl. Before we take the needle off the record. Okay, whatever. You can keep your caveman technology. This you don't know what vinyl was. This episode spoke to you on some level. Yeah, there was like a scene of a person listening to music on a record player. It just seems so ancient. Yeah, it's like all of the punk stuff. I mean, don't these people realize the punk stuff is old at this point? I mean, it's it's ashes to ashes, right? Like nothing you do is going to be cool in 20 years. And just like what you enjoy and, you know, 
Maybe you have good taste, maybe you have shitty taste, but ultimately it's pretty subjective, so whatever. Yeah, and, and if people have different tastes than you, that's okay. Not everything has to be made for you. Yes. It's okay to be basic. It's okay to be punk. It's okay to like rap. It's okay to like country. It's okay. Like, it's just all okay. And I think one of the things that being an emotionally mature adult is kind of like having your biases when you're young and then kind of growing into your own person where, you know, you realize that a lot of those intense feelings probably came from real insecurity and that you can kind of just, you can, you can criticize things, you can engage with things and then, you know, where you're like, ah, oh, this sucks, but you don't need to prove yourself to anyone. And it just felt like all the anti-punk adults in this really felt they need to be validated about their own personal taste as opposed to, you know, oh, what we had was better than the punks, right? You know, and it's like, just... Take a chill pill, folks. <laughs> I would say that the off-key insanity that is Next Stop Nowhere is music to my ears. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me 